0: God bless you. Be seated. Welcome. It is my great honor to be with you, and I, I, th- I was thinking many things as I uh, was invited to come up. First thing I thought is, my, that's a lot of steps. This is one of the few auditoriums, uh, you've got more steps than I do. Uh, I thought our platform was, uh, and I'm thinking, well, I'm glad you gave me a head start. That way I... I could be making the journey while you were singing. I like the song. I like the key change. I like the, the music. And my, what a joy to hear the Dunaways again. been a long time since I've heard them in person. But, uh, oh, I love that last song. One of my, maybe my favorite song of theirs. Uh, but uh, just a joy to hear them and, uh, and to be with you all again, and be with Brother Thomas. I understand the our schedule is uh, not the easiest to, uh, to mesh. He's very patient uh, in, in my defense. I'm glad I have young preachers around now like Brother Kittle uh, to help me out. And uh, i got a couple more at church uh, helping me out tomorrow. Uh, because I'm a pastor. Brother Thomas understands that. I'm a pastor. Um, and this year we marked our 123rd. Uh, anniversary at Addison Baptist Church. The church did, not me. Uh, they marked 123 years, but I've been there 23 of those years. This year I passed my halfway mark of my pastoral ministry, half of it have been at Addison. 45 years I've been pastor. So all of my, really 90% of what I do is, a, is about pastoral ministry, uh, pulpit ministry in the Addison Baptist Church. I love to be invited. I love to go to other churches hear their music and see their ministries and, and come here and see your building. I remember the first time they brought me up here to see the property. When would that been? Long time ago. I remember seeing the property and I'm thinking, yep, I'm sure you could do it. Uh, but, uh, and I remember being in your first building or your, one of your first buildings and my, what what God has done through Emmanuel Baptist Church to God be the glory. What a beautiful facility and uh, a joy to be here, to be with uh, friends like uh, Ronnie and Marilyn. We've known them since, uh, since we were a little bit younger, a, a few years. And dear friends, they've been to us. They never let the years or the miles uh, dim that friendship, and we're very grateful for that. And I'm especially glad that my wife could come with me uh, uh, she was involved in ladies' ministry the last uh, 72 hours, uh, ladies' conference there at the church. I mean, I literally whisked her out of the building this, this afternoon and uh, got on the road. And then we sat in uh, Florence, Kentucky for about 45 minutes on the interstate. And that was not part of my plan, but part of God's plan. But we got here. Better five minutes before the service than five minutes after the uh, service. I saw Brother Sheryl out there in the lobby looking through his Bible. He was getting ready. No, he's, I'm sure he was ready, ready to preach. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm honored that you would uh, schedule us to, to come back. I look forward to the day tomorrow. Uh, happy anniversary, Emmanuel Baptist Church. I know what that means as a pastor. I want you to be turning your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, I would like to preach to you a message tonight on the doctrine of perseverance. I find a lot of doctrines in the Bible are twin doctrines, a lot of twin doctrines in the Bible, some of the great twin doctrines of the Bible, the deity and the humanity of Christ, perhaps the most important Doctrine, twin doctrines, God, man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. If you believe that he's God, but you don't believe he's man, then uh, you've, you've missed who Jesus is. If you believe he's man but not fully God, uh, then you've, you've misunderstood who Jesus is. So there are a lot of twin doctrines. The doctrine of... Uh, uh, God's sovereignty and human responsibility, the doctrines of uh, repentance and faith, uh, those, those are twin doctrines. They, uh, sometimes the Bible emphasizes one of them, but it always assumes or implies the other. So they're twin doctrines. A lot of twin doctrines are in tension. They, they seem to pull apart from each other, but really what they do they do what the piano does to the strings, well, what the guitar does. With those strings uh, tight uh, and in the right tension, that's what gives those strings the, the, the tone and the, and the note that it strikes. If the, if the guitar string was uh, loose uh, or if it's too tight or too loose, it's not correct. Bible doctrines need to be in the right right tension, and that helps us a lot. I think the doctrine of perseverance is also a twin doctrine. It's twin to the doctrine of preservation. Sometimes we call that the eternal security of the saints. You say, well, Pastor, what, what's that got to do with uh, uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church's uh, anniversary? What's that got to do with uh, uh, celebrating? Uh, well, I think it's got everything to do with God getting the glory for the 23 years uh, and for the more than 2,000 years where the institution of the local visible assembly of born-again baptized believers covenanted together to carry out the Great Commission, and here is this church which has carried that commission these 23 years and has persevered. You thought, well, I, I thought perseverance was about the individual believer persevering. Well, indeed it is but where the believer perseveres is in the setting, in the context, in the candlestick of a local visible assembly of born-again baptized believers. I know it's possible to be saved and not be the member of a local visible church. I I see examples of that in the New Testament, but I see the pattern, the model, the template for uh, Christians in the New Testament church to make a Profession of their faith to be immersed in water and the a proper administrator in the Lord's church and to become set in a church. And that's how churches are formed, but that's how they persevere. So, how do we persevere? Uh, what keeps us uh, continuing? What helps us to endure? Really, the doctrine of perseverance is about enduring. I can't think of a better thing to emphasize when I'm preaching. You need to endure. Stay with it. Just stay awake and and we'll press on to the end whenever that'll be. Uh, Nobody told me any time limits here, so I'm assuming we just have to get back here in time for Sunday school uh, sometime in the morning. But no, I I will press on here and, and get to the point. Hebrews chapter 10 The pastor, it's very, it's, a, it's more difficult for me to preach standalone sermons. Uh, the longer I preach in pastoral ministry, the more comfortable I've become in preaching series and preaching messages. I think every message should stand alone to some extent, but I mean, Sunday after Sunday, I'm able to get up and, and take the text and continue and uh, maybe summarize for a visitor or so, or, but my, you know, my congregation knows where we've been. They know where we are, where we're going. And uh, so I'll try to give you a, a series feel. I'm a big picture person. I like to think about big uh, principles and patterns in the, in the Bible because that helps me understand uh, smaller passages and smaller sections of the Bible if I have a good picture of the, the big picture. Verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 10, cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward for ye have need of patience after that ye have done the will of God that ye might receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them which draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Father, I pray your blessings on the music we've heard, the music we've sung, and the prayers that have been offered. I ask you to honor the word that's been read, the written word, and now the living word, Jesus Christ, that I will attempt to preach. To these good people tonight, in his name we pray, amen. The doctrine of perseverance is the doctrine of enduring, staying with it, not quitting, not uh, drawing back. Here in Hebrews, and I think that's one of the dominant themes of the book of Hebrews, uh, there are a lot of great truths in the book of Hebrews, greater things and better things, and Christ is better than the angels, Christ is better than Moses, uh, the new covenant's better than the old covenant. Uh, we're looking for a, a better city, an enduring city. A lot of promises in the book of Hebrews, but I think the main purpose of the book was to write to Christians who were uh, in danger of pulling back, in danger of saying, I, I've, I've endured long enough. I've, I've pressed through some things, and now, now there's persecution, and now there's opposition, and Now I have physical problems and financial problems and uh, I just can't go on. They were in danger of giving up. Now, I, I am comfortable that this church understands the doctrine of eternal security and you won't misunderstand anything I'm saying tonight and saying, oh, is he saying that people can be lost after they've been saved and born again? Why, of course not. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit It gives you the new birth, and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive eternal life, and uh, you will never perish, and no one can pluck you out of God's hands. But the Bible clearly says that there is a twin doctrine to that, a doctrine of perseverance, a doctrine of enduring, a doctrine of pressing on, and the Bible is full of exhortations about don't quit, don't draw back, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say, well, I've done it 10 years, I've done it 23 years, I've done it 50 years, and I'm tired and I'm weary. If you're here, if you're living, if you're in God's uh, 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 house, you are to press on. You're to continue to do the work of God. An anniversary is not a time for people to say, well, I, I'm done. An anniversary is time to say, uh, what's next? Where, what's, what to do? Where to go? So we have this uh, key passage here, and you'll recognize right away that he's quoting from the book of Habakkuk, if you have a good study Bible, Uh, uh, Habakkuk 2.4, maybe one of the most famous Old Testament quotations in the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.13, and then here Hebrews 10.38, the Bible quotes that Uh, gospel in miniature there in that minor prophet, the just shall live by faith. Warren Wiersbe said that Romans 1 is about the just, and Galatians 3.13 is about living, and uh, then Hebrews is about how we do it by faith. I I think he's on to something there. I think there's an emphasis in Romans about justification. There's an emphasis in Galatians about living out your faith, and then here you're going to see an emphasis on what is faith? How how do you believe? What what does it mean to believe? What causes us to doubt? What causes us to be discouraged? What what trips us up? What uh, causes us to fall out of the race, if you will? Because if you look at Hebrews 10, Uh, 39 says, We are not of them which draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Then you look over in chapter 12, Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction. Uh, and the point is that uh, Hebrews 10 says we, we need to keep believing. We need to keep our faith. We need to live by faith. Even if we're having difficulties, even if we're having problems. We need to keep believing. And then in chapter 12, he picks up that same thesis and he says, uh, and here's another reason to keep believing. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It's a, it's a thought there that in another place, it says Jesus is the captain of our salvation. In another place, he's the prince of life. He's the creator of it and he's the sustainer of it. And so we need to believe and keep believing and we need to keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You say, well, well what about that great chapter in the middle? That chapter 11. Well, that chapter 11 is what faith looks like. How different people have uh, lived by faith. Salvation is always by grace through faith. And none of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 were saved, were justified because they uh, did some work for God. Noah was not saved because he built an ark. He built an ark because he was saved. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and then he lived out his faith. Um, he, he was saved, and then he served. I'm, I'm sure we're all clear on that. So none of the people in Hebrews 11 are saved by their good works. But I mean, if you read chapter 11, there's a lot of good works in there. there I mean, there's arks and there's exoduses and there's, and there's giants being slain and there's uh, Passovers being kept and Red Seas being divided. And I mean, there's just it's just a veritable treasure house of amazing things that believers were uh, blessed of God to do. And chapter 11 is uh, sort of the manual on what does it look, what does faith look like? Well, it's the same faith, but it, it looks differently in different people's lives. It's not a different faith, it just looks different in different circumstances, in different situations, in different people. And part of the problem with perseverance is that we take our eyes off of the uh, the God in whom we're to believe and we start looking at other people and we say, well, my faith doesn't look like their faith. My situation looks differently from their situation. One of the most pernicious errors of our day is the idea that, well, if you've uh, got enough faith, you'll be rich, financially rich, and physically Well, it's called a health and wealth gospel. It's very popular. It's also very false. But I understand the attraction. I I mean, I understand the appeal. But it's very discouraging to think well, if faith makes you rich and well, how come I'm poor and sick? Or how come this other, maybe you're fine? I don't want to suggest that maybe... Well, what about this other poor fellow, though? Well, he just doesn't have the faith. He's just not a believer. Really? Hebrews chapter 11 would beg to differ. I want to spend just a few moments here in the middle of Hebrews chapter 11 comparing and contrasting just two of the heroes of faith. And then in conclusion, we'll look at at a few others. But I want you to look first with me tonight in Hebrews chapter 11 at the two great benchmarks of the sojourn in Egypt. I'm comfortable you know about the family of Jacob making their journey to Egypt and there they grow from a family of about 85 And as centuries go by, the the people of Israel, the children of Israel, grow into a nation of some two or three million people. But there's a key passage here, and that's verse 22. By faith Joseph... Now this is not Joseph, the guardian of the baby Jesus. This is Joseph in the Old Testament. It's very famous in the Old Testament one of the most uh, talked about persons in the book of Genesis, that Joseph, when he died, made made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Then verse 23, by faith Moses. And then it gives several verses to Moses. And uh, verse 27, it says, by faith he forsook Egypt Not fearing the wrath of God, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. There's that word endured again. Perseverance is about enduring. It's about staying with it. It's about keeping on. It's about going forward. It's about starting 23 years ago uh, and, and pressing on as a local visible assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where you are. That's what you've done. And you need to continue. You just need to keep going forward. You just need to keep enduring. What is this juxtaposition uh, of, of, of Moses and, jo- and Joseph? Uh, notice, first of all, how they're alike. First of all, they're both believers. We all agree. Are they, all, are they both heroes of faith? Just nod your head. They're both there in Hebrews chapter 11. Joseph's a hero of faith. Moses' a hero of faith. Both believers, both of them experienced the prestige of Egyptian royalty. Both of them knew what it was to wear royal insignia and to have, uh, be exalted in the house of Pharaoh. They both knew firsthand the glory of, of Pharaoh's house. Both men endured persecution and rejection by their own brethren at some point in their life. You know about Joseph and his brothers. Uh, Moses also was rejected by his brethren. Uh, So they experienced some similar things. They both suffered through times of deep disappointment. Uh, Joseph goes from his father's favorite to uh, uh, a pit where his brother, brothers think about killing him and then they sell him as a slave, and then he, he goes to Egypt and he ends up in prison for a time, wrongfully accused. And read read the life of Joseph. It's, it's a stirring providence of God. Uh, you're not going to believe where Joseph ends up. Well, you probably would. You probably read the Bible. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Anyway, they both knew the glory of of Pharaoh's house. They both were rejected by their own brethren. They both suffered deep disappointments. Moses spends 40 years in Pharaoh's house. Then he spends the next 40 years in the backside of the desert keeping his father-in-law's sheep, which means he didn't have any sheep. He was just a shepherd. He was just a helper. And uh, he went from glory to poverty. And um, he's 80 years old when God calls him back to lead his people out of Egypt. So he knew what it was. He probably spent longer in the wilderness than Joseph spent in prison, but they, they both knew what it was, maybe to wonder, like, what's God doing with me? What, what is God going to do with me? Is God going to do something with me? Um. So they have that in common. They have a couple other things in common. They both demonstrated faithful persistence in assignments. Joseph, in that prison, became the prison steward. He was faithful wherever God put him. didn't matter if it was Potiphar's house in prison, or later on in Pharaoh's house. Joseph was faithful. Moses also was faithful. I think he kept his father-in-law's sheep well. I think he learned that wilderness well. I think he learned how to shepherd and lead, uh, and in, in the wilderness. And God taught him and trained it, and trained him and prepared him. And they both served wherever they were. Both men rejected the pleasures of sin and chose to serve God over sin. Don't don't uh, gloss over that. Both men made courageous decisions to to serve God instead of the pleasures of sin. Both had opportunity to seek the pleasures of sin. But both of them chose serving God over the pleasures of sin. Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife, and Moses fled from Egypt. Both men are pictures or types of Christ, one Puritan wrote. Joseph is the father's favorite, rejected by his brethren, betrayed for a price, endures temptation, suffers terrible injustice, becomes a deliverer, and ultimately is exalted among, above all his brethren and becomes the savior of his world. Physically, Joseph saved his world from famine. He's a picture of Christ, who's the bread of life, who spiritually saves all who believe in him from spiritual famine. Moses was the shepherd of Israel, endangered at birth. He laid aside royalty for the work of redemption, performed great miracles and led his people in a great exodus from bondage. He's a picture of Christ. You see that? They're both pictures, types of Christ. You know, when Moses and Elijah meet with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know the subject of their conversation? The subject of their conversation, Luke says, they spoke of the coming decease, or it's, it's the same word that means exodus. Moses and Elijah knew that Jesus was going to accomplish at a deliverance from sin on the cross. That's what Moses and Elijah were looking forward to in faith. But Moses and Joseph are both pictures of Christ. Notice quickly now, they were different though. This is where I get into this endurance. How can we continue? We, we look at others and we see, well, they're believers and this good thing happened to them or... Some bad thing happened to them, and maybe they're not believers, or we apply that to ourselves. Notice quickly with me, Joseph received royalty in the latter years of his life. His first years were difficult, and he became Pharaoh's prime minister. Moses received his royalty in the beginning of his life. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Some people believe he was uh, Pharaoh-in-waiting. Sort of like the Prince of Wales, you know. The next, the next king. Maybe he was, but I know he was Pharaoh's daughter's adopted child. And uh, that puts you pretty high up there on the uh, succession. But it's flipped. Moses early enjoys Pharaoh's house, and Joseph later enjoys Pharaoh's house. Joseph brought Israel into Egypt. Remember, they're starving to death up in Canaan and Joseph makes arrangements for his family, his father Jacob and his brothers and his sisters to come to Egypt and there they survive. Not only do they survive, but they're given Goshen, the fair and blessed land, the best land in Egypt, and they become a great people. And Joseph is instrumental in bringing them to Egypt. Moses is the one who gets them out of Egypt. Now stop for a minute and say, which one was right? Joseph brought them to live in Egypt and then Moses, he makes them leave Egypt. You say, well, the circumstances were different. You'd be right. The fact of the matter is that Joseph was right to bring them to Egypt and Moses was right to take them out of Egypt. What's my point? When you look at another believer and you say, are they trusting God? Are they serving God? Their circumstances are different. Their situation's (laughs) different. Their their accomplishments are different. Well, they could both be serving God. They just might be different. Their faith is the same, but their, their perseverance looks different. Joseph delivered Egyptians through a famine, Moses destroyed Egyptians in a flood. Joseph prophesied Israel's departure, Moses performed that departure. Joseph served God by living in Egypt, and Moses served God by leaving Egypt. See how obvious that is? But they're both heroes of faith. They're both persevering. They're both enduring All you Bible students will quickly say, yes, well, uh, uh, it was a different Egypt when Joseph was there. Yes, so much so that when Moses comes on the scene, the Bible says the problem was that there was a Pharaoh in Moses' day who didn't remember Joseph. So Moses lives a long time after Joseph, and uh, Israel's no longer the favored uh, guests, they're slaves. It's a total different picture. Total different situation. Sometimes we look at Christians in different generations and different geographies, and we think, well, those, uh, those Christians, sometimes Christians in yesteryear packed up lock, stock, and barrel and moved the whole church. <laughs> I mean, moved the whole church to a new country or to a new place. You think, why would you ever do that? Well, it depends on your circumstances. It depends on your situation. If they were trusting God, if they were believing in God, they were serving God, you think, well, I think a church should stay right where it is. You might think, that'd be just crazy to load the whole church up on a a U-Haul truck and move the whole church. I'm not talking about the furniture and the building. I'm talking about the people. So why would we ever do that? Well, you'd, you'd have to know the circumstances. You'd have to know the situation. You'd have to know the geography. Sometimes churches have been planted in different parts of the world, and you go back and say, "What ever happened to the church in Antioch?" Well, I don't know, but could be that uh, everybody moved away. Could be that the industry moved away, and the jobs moved away, and the Sometimes people say, well, I guess uh, God was judging. Well, maybe. Or maybe just moving people west to Europe and and to the Americas. I don't know. My point is you have to understand when you look at other Christians, endurance may look different. Some Christians are enduring, but they're in a hospice bed. Some Christians are enduring and They seem to be prospering financially and physically. You say, well, which one's right with God? They may both be right with God. They may both be out of fellowship with God. You can't judge from the circumstances. Joseph and Moses, boy, they're different. One's bringing them in and one's taking them out. They're both serving God. Before I get to the conclusion, let me just point this out. Some things are always right. And some things are always wrong. You might want to write that down. It's true. true. Some things are always right. For example, it's always right to serve God wherever you may be. That's the place to serve God. It doesn't matter if it's a pit or a prison or a palace. Serve God there. You say, can you serve God in a palace? Well, apparently you can. Apparently Joseph did (laughs) Now, I don't have any experience serving God in a palace. Maybe you don't either. But then again, I don't have any experience serving God in a pit or a prison either. But I do have experience serving God in a pulpit or in a pastorate. I know something about that. Some places I've been. Some things are always right, some things are always wrong. It's always right to obey God's revealed will. It's always right to keep yourself pure. It's always right to help God's people and others as you have opportunity. It's always right to witness and work for God. It's always wrong to disobey God. It's always wrong to put self ahead of others. It's always wrong to forget about divine priorities and prerogatives. Some things are always right, some things are always wrong. This next thing's a little harder. That's easy. No one here would disagree with me and say, yep, some things are always right, some things are always wrong. Number two, some things that are right for others may not be right for you. I'm leaving tomorrow, so if you don't like that, you'll have to talk to Brother Thomas about it, see, and he can set it straight and explain what I was trying to say better. You think, is that situational ethics? Is that, is that compromise? Is that uh, uh, giving up your faith? No, no. Some things are right for others that may not be right for you. What could that be? Was it wrong for, fair, uh, for Joseph to accept his promotion to be prime minister of Egypt? No. It was the right thing to do. I believe God was in it. Would it have been wrong for Moses to accept a prime ministership of Egypt? Yes, I do. Because the Bible says he forsook Egypt. I think Moses did the right thing. Nod your head if you think Moses did the, I'm, he, it. <laughs> the Exodus doesn't happen if Moses says, you know, I think I, Joseph served God in, in Egypt. Maybe I could have some influence. In the, maybe I could make a difference. Maybe I could go up there and pass some laws and talk to Pharaoh and get some of the laws, be a little more lenient, maybe get, uh, you know, a six-day work week, or maybe I could get 12-hour days, maybe I would get him to give us a little more straw, maybe I could influence Pharaoh and make a difference. All I'm saying is, would have been wrong for Moses to do that. He couldn't say, well, Joseph did that, I'll do that. You know, there are a lot of principles here. Some might say, well, I, I think I'll do this. Well, if the church doesn't ask you to do it, if the church doesn't appoint you or elect you, then you'd be presumptuous to do that. you say, well, I think I'll just go up there and lead this singing myself. What kind of... But we only need one. In other words... Now it could be great things or simple things. I'm not talking about lay and Christians who don't care and are lukewarm. I'm talking about discernment. I'm talking about Christians who can People ask me and say like, "Well, do you think uh, you think this young man should go to this college or should he pursue vocational uh, training?" And what I do, I say, I take my glasses off, and I broke my chin. And I say, "Well, that depends. I'd have to know more about the young man. I'd have to know more about the school. I'd have to know more about his. I'd have to know more." Think. Well, everybody should go to college, or everybody should learn a trade, or everybody should. No, not necessarily. You think? Well, I, that's the way I did it. Well, that could be good. That could be bad. Now, my point here is simply this. We need to spend less time rebuking how others serve God and ask ourselves, how am I serving God? You know, I've found that's the key to unity in the church. I've found that's the key to enduring in church service. Don't worry about how others serve God. Just serve God the moment we start looking over our shoulder and saying, but but, but, but are, are they working as hard as I'm working? Or couldn't they do what I'm doing? Or couldn't my priorities be their priorities? You get to dangerous ground there because you have to serve the Lord, not others. Others may not have your burden. Others may not have your discernment. Others may not have your gifts. I had a lady one time say, I don't understand why this lady doesn't want to teach Sunday school. Now, by the way, I'm a big fan of Sunday school. I'm a big promoter of the Sunday school. But I don't think necessarily everybody at every point of their life is ready to teach Sunday school. (coughs) You say, well, we need a teacher. Well, you need a good teacher. So... We have to be careful. We can't call people to service just because we want them to do what we want them to do. Now, I know this is a delicate thing and I know this is a pastor's heart and I know this is a church enduring. But all the peace that comes when people say, well, I'm going to serve God to the best of my ability. I'm going to endure and I'm just going to pray that others will trust God and endure and serve God. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness and not grumbling about what others do or others don't do. Their physical abilities, their emotional abilities, their situation might not be the same as yours. It might. I don't know. We need to learn discernment there. Now, I told you I would close with a look at others, and they're right there in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 32, I like this passage very much. What, more, what shall I more say? For in the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. How many have ever heard of Gideon? Ha, and Barak. How many have ever heard of Barak? I would have mentioned Deborah there, but that's just me. I, you've heard of Barak. How about Samson? Anybody ever heard of Samson? Yeah. Jephthah? Anybody ever heard of David? It's one of my favorites. Samuel and the prophets. Listen to this. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Now that sounds like faith to me. Does it sound like faith? Does it sound like victorious faith? Does it sound like enduring faith? This is not a trick question. Because it's in the Bible. They were believers. And I mean, David really did kill Goliath. How did that little shepherd boy kill that giant? Why, God had to be with him. God had to guide the stone. God had to give him courage. Well done, David. He delivered Israel that day. I mean, old Samson grabbed that lion with his bare hands. How could he do that? He did it in the power of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And all these other victories... People raised to life. But look in the middle of verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others. We're still in the heroes of faith here. We're still looking at people who endure, people who continue, people who press on, believers, maybe people in a local visible church who through financial hardship and pandemics and political persecution and and, uh, trouble and trials and tribulation, the death of key members and favorite pillars in the church gone on to be with the Lord and difficult times come. Others, he says, others, others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword, were wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I don't know about you, but I like the lot of the first group better. I'd rather be slaying the giants. I'd rather be building the ark. I'd rather be doing some great, wonderful, visible thing that people would say, whoa, look at the faith of Noah. Look at the faith of Samson. But what about the others? The Holy Spirit writes here and says, the others, the others... They went to their death. You know, our Baptist forefathers, some of them went to the prisons and the beatings and the gallows and were burned at the stake. You say, well, where's their faith? Their faith was on display. Just like David's faith. It just looks different. You say, but it looks like they lost. It looks like they were defeated. No. Verse 39, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, the ones who were sawn asunder, the ones who were killed, the ones who died, the ones who outwardly failed, they obtained a good report through faith received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And in conclusion, that's when he says, he, he picks up his theme again from Hebrews chapter 10, where he says, don't draw back, don't quit, don't be discouraged, don't lose your faith, press on, endure, continue. Go for year 24. Press forward to year 25. If the Lord doesn't come back, He's coming back. But if He doesn't come back, just press on. You say, well, if, if it all goes well, well. What kind of faith would it take if it all went well? Oh, I, I know we're believers. But when in, inflation's uh, zero and uh, uh, jobs are everywhere and uh, uh, the money rolls in and, uh, and the Politicians, uh, at least outwardly, uh, pay lip service to Christianity and uh, everybody just loves us because we're uh, the salt of the earth. Well, what about if we're not perceived as the salt of the earth? What if the politicians are against us? What if the inflation, what if gas goes to $3 a gallon? Oh, wait. Well, I never thought I'd be so glad to see gas. Gas three dollars and something again. But what, what if what if it goes? Uh, you say, well, well, that's when you really need faith. You see his argument. We're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. David, who slew Goliath, is watching us. But there's also some blessed saint who was burned at the stake. We don't even know his name. The writer of Hebrews here, the Holy Spirit says, I'm not even going to mention their names here. Because I've got to tell you, there's probably a lot more of the others than of the first group. That's just my observance of history. There's a lot of others who suffer, maybe more so, than those who succeed in the eyes of the world. I don't know what God's plan and purpose is in your life and my life sometimes. I don't know what blessings. I, I know, I look at my life, I see the blessings God's been so good to me. I look at this church and see what God's given to you, given each, you all to each other as members, given you a pastor who loves you, given, given you the Word of God, and given you the bread of life, and saved you. And set you like a precious stone in a in a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you're blessed, but I I know it comes at a cost. I know it comes at a physical cost. I know it comes at a cost of finances and and weariness and and struggle and difficulty and hardship. The question is, do you press on? Do do you endure? And I just love the way he ends this argument because he says, "All right, all right, I told you about David and Samson and the others. Let's look to Jesus." Well, that settles the argument, doesn't it? You say, "Well, I, I'd rather be a David than one of the others." and it's important that you know that David and the others are both believers and they're both receiving the promise. Eventually, he says, "Let's look unto Jesus." the author and finisher of our faith. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against yourself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That's where he closes the argument, I think. Don't draw back. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Emmanuel Baptist Church, you need to press on. You need to mark your anniversary and celebrate your anniversary and say, God being our helper, God being our uh, savior, God being our captain, our Lord, we're going to press on, we're going to endure. Don't know what the future is, don't know what the situation, don't know what will happen, don't know much about tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. We're going to press on. Press on, Emmanuel Baptist Church. Father, I pray you would hear our cry tonight. We can be so fickle and so uh, uh, frail sometimes. Circumstances and opposition can make us faint, and we get weary, even in well-doing sometimes. Sunday school teachers who year after year struggle and maybe are discouraged. Pastors who pour their hearts and souls into preparing sermons and sometimes it seems as though people are not listening or people are not hearing. Father, help us remember that we serve You, that we look to You and oh, how we praise You for enduring the opposition and winning the victory of our salvation on the cross and You endured. Jesus Christ endured and is now set down The Father's right hand. Father, bless this church, bless this pastor, bless this people.